Hi, this is Chris Sorensen. Welcome to Brookville Road Community Church Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to check out our website at brookvilleroad.cc for all the latest information about what's going on at Community Church. I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Well, good morning. Good to see each of you. I do agree. Jesus Christ is the best gift that I've ever been given. Uh, When I think about what he has provided for me, that I I have a home waiting for me uh, eternally in heaven, the fact that he has been able to take my cold, dead, dark heart and give me life, uh, that's a joy. And Jesus Christ is the best gift I've ever been given. And I pray that you've received that gift as well, that you've made Jesus Christ your personal Lord and your Savior. And wherever you are on that spectrum, if you've not yet done that, my prayer is that you would come to know my good friend Jesus and and be able to experience a Christmas this year unlike any other. Well, I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those that are watching online as well. Just a reminder, here in a little bit, we're going to share communion with one another. So those of you that are joining us at home, if you'd like to join us in communion, make sure that you have those elements ready uh, as well. So uh, man, when I think about Christmas uh, this year, man, when I was driving around, it just looked like everybody was decorating quicker than they used to. Did it seem like that to you? Like more decorations were up sooner? Uh, I I wanted my decorations to go up sooner. I asked Tammy if we could put our tree up uh, before uh, Halloween. And uh, that didn't work out. I thought kids could come and they'd be like, trick or treat. And I'd be like, here's a candy cane. Merry Christmas. Uh, but we, we waited all the way until you know Thanksgiving and we put it up then. But I think we're all just looking for something colorful, right? Something cheerful, something that will give us some comfort once again. I, I love Christmas and, and I, I love these moments where as a pastor, I, I think about my church family because I, I was always impacted around Christmas time. I, it, I connected with who God was during that time. And I, I want the same kind of thing for you and for your family. And so when I pray through God, what, what would you have us to talk about? What do you want us to think about when it comes to your birth. I started thinking about these two different terms. I started thinking about presents. You know, at Christmas time, we have these presents that are under, under the tree. And then I started thinking about the word presents, like with, with our family uh, and God's presence with us. And so a couple of verses started rolling around in my head. Uh, one was Luke chapter two, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And so here we see Jesus like as this present all wrapped up, this gift given for us. And then Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So I just started thinking about his his presence with us. And I started thinking, well, Jesus is, is the present who was present. And I thought, well, that'd make a great title, but that kind of got vetoed. So, so, but that's the idea. We, we want to make sure that, that we are thinking about the perfect gift. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the perfect gift. And, and this is the time of year when I realize I'm reading, you know, through the account of Jesus being born. It's more than buying gifts and finding the perfect gift. And for me, it has to be more than that because I'm terrible at finding the perfect gift. I, I think it's kind of genetic in my family. Uh, my, my parents, they don't know how to give perfect gifts. Let me just give you an example. When I was in high school, one year I, I unwrapped a box of ammo uh, it was 22 shells. I didn't own a gun. I didn't own a rifle. There's 22 shells. Uh, three years ago, my dad gave me a Rolodex. 
And the old, older folks, we're laughing because we know what a Rolodex is. The younger folks, it's this like thing that has these cards and you write down people's names on it and their addresses and their phone numbers and you flip through it. I have, I've had a phone for over a decade that has all of that information. But dad's like, here, here's your Rolodex. And I think dad would go in, he'd raid the dollar store and wrap it up and here's your Christmas. It goes to the frugal side of, of my dad, uh, I would say cheap. And I've gotten, I've gotten to be the same way. And here's what I do. Feel free to use this if you want. I go to Menards and I buy those things that are free after rebate. I do it all year long and then I wrap it up and I give it to my dad. And so uh, I, I just, you bought me 22 shells. I didn't own a gun. You bought me a Rolodex. So here's some free gifts. So I buy it as a joke and then he opens it all up. And every time with every gift, he's like, oh, wow, thank you. I needed that. He didn't need it. He's already bought it. He's cheap. He went and got the free stuff already. I come from a family, we don't know how to give perfect gifts. Some of you in this room, you're great at this. You're wonderful at finding the right gift. You've been shopping all year. Some of you were done in July with your shopping. So, anybody done with shopping? Oh, all right, yeah, see? All right, you're done. Some of us, we're gonna be shopping all the way into Christmas Eve. And then there's some folks, they're just very, very hard to shop for. They're, they're difficult to find the perfect gift. For instance, think about this. What do you get 7.83 billion people? What gift does God get that many people? That's how many people are on planet Earth right now. 7.83 billion. What is it that God gives? The Bible tells us that God gives good gifts. Look at this in James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God gives good gifts. And God's been giving good gifts ever since the beginning of creation. He, he was giving us good gifts even in creation. Remember, God, God creates the light and he said that the light was good. He creates this expanse he creates uh, the land and the sea and animals and fish. And with each thing he creates, he says, it's good. And then God creates man. He creates Adam and Eve and he puts them in the garden. And everything in that garden is good and it's there for them to enjoy. God had a break in the relationship there in the garden. Adam and Eve sinned and it caused a separation to happen, but God wasn't done giving good gifts. God would eventually move toward a man named Abraham and he gave him the good gift of a promise. I wanna make a covenant promise with you. And then God gave a good gift to the nation of Israel and he chose them to be his people. God gave a good gift to that nation as he allowed them to escape, escape out of bondage in Egypt. He gave the good gift as, of manna as they were out in the wilderness and he would feed them with that good gift. He gave them the good gift of the Ten Commandments. He gave us those commandments so that we might have some protection around our lives so that we wouldn't harm ourselves and harm others around us. God continued to give, give good gifts. He would give his prophets and then he would give his promises. God knows what it is to give good gifts. But all of those gifts were never enough. And good gifts were never even enough for God. God actually knows how to give perfect gifts. And the perfect gift is his presence. It was never enough just for good gifts to be given. The gift that God wants us to have is him. And we see his presence 
throughout history. Again, you go back to creation and you find his presence. Genesis 1, 2, it says this. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So here we have the presence of God at creation, but that wasn't enough for God. God wanted to be present with his creation. And so he walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. There there would be these moments where they are interacting with their creator. But because of that sin, because they decided to rebel against God, there was a separation that happened. Interestingly, in Genesis 3.8, this won't be on the screen. Let me just read it to you. And they've, they've already sinned. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. Imagine that. Hiding yourself from the presence of God. They hid from the presence of the Lord their God among the trees. And even though they were separated then from God and forced out of the Garden of Eden... God wanted to continue to give the perfect gift of his presence. So he kept moving toward man. He revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush. His presence was there. He he revealed himself as he led them out of that wilderness in a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God's presence would actually rest on the Ark of the Covenant in the tabernacle. His presence right there. He would reveal himself to his prophets. You remember Elijah, for instance, he's up on a mountain and he experiences the presence of God through this still small voice. But all of that was never enough. God wanted to continue to move closer and closer to his creation. And so God did what only God can do and he gave us himself. He gave us his son, Jesus Christ. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas time, God becoming a man. And so God once again, decided that he would walk with his creation. And here's how that happened. Here's the starting point of God once again moving to give his creation the perfect gift of his presence. Matthew chapter 1, if you'd open your Bible. Matthew 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, that means engaged, to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So when it says before they have come together, this means that Jesus is going to be born in a way that no one else ever has been born before. That he's going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit, not from Joseph or any other man. This is alluding to, and we're going to read it in a moment, about the virgin birth. That the virgin gave birth to Jesus Christ. And the virgin birth is kind of a core foundational issue for us as believers, for us as Christians. Uh, the, the, the virgin birth is something that we find all the way back. You go to the Apostles' Creed, and they talk about the virgin birth. You go to the Nicene Creed. You move forward in, in time, and you find uh, councils and confessions, and all of them talk about believing in the virgin birth. And so if you don't believe in the virgin birth, you are tangent to what Christianity is because this is foundational to our faith. God became a man, not another man, not a good man, but God is in the flesh. So this is talking about the virgin birth. And her husband, 
Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her. And the reason it says divorce here, they're not, they're not married like we get married. They're in this binding agreement in that engagement. And he would have to write her a certificate of divorce in that binding engagement. He resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, Jesus is a son of David. That, that line ran right through Joseph. And by the way, do you remember where David, King David, was born? What town? Bethlehem. Jesus was born in the same town as King David. He's from the same line as David. He is going to be the promised one that was given to set men free. He's going to sit on an eternal throne, all of it, going back to what God has already said. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. Now, Jesus' name in Hebrew, it's not Jesus, it is Yeshua. Yeshua. It comes from two words. Yeshua is Yahweh saves. Yahweh is the proper name of God. We've talked about that not too long ago. I am who I am. Yahweh saves. This is the one who would come and save. Now, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so this is the incarnation. This, this is God taking on flesh. As John would say in John 1.14, it says there, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is God coming, his presence once again walking among his creation. Emmanuel, God with us, his presence. And not only did God give him to us, God gave him for us. Because if you go back and you remember what had taken us away from the presence of God to begin with is sin. The sin of Adam and Eve passed down to every single person. The presence of God removed. But God was not content just to give good gifts. He wanted to give a great gift of his presence. And so he moves in this direction, sends his son. He was given for us because of that sin. He's going to move out of that manger. He's going to go to a cross and pay the penalty penalty for our sin. He's going to be buried, died, placed in a tomb, rises on the third day. He's now ascended into heaven, but he has come for us so that we might have the perfect gift of God's presence among us. He is the perfect gift. And there has been no other gift that has ever been given in all of human history that has had such a profound and powerful effect as that of Jesus Christ. He is exactly what we need wherever we find ourselves. Nothing compares to him. He is this gift, a present that has been given to us that refused to stay wrapped up in the form of a little tiny baby in a manger. He grew to be a man to show us who the father is. He says, if you've seen the father, if you've seen me, you've seen the father, the father and I, we're one. He was able to show and tell us why we are here, why we have been created, and he loved us so much that he would go to a cross and die in our place. In fact, Jesus told his disciples this in John 15, verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. What a wonderful gift from a small wooden manger to a wooden cross to an empty grave 
And then Jesus ascended into heaven. And the reason that he ascended into heaven, he told his disciples, that that I'm going to go there and I'm preparing a place for you. But unless I go away, your counselor, the gift that I have to give to you will not be received. He's talking about the gift of the spirit of God that was given at Pentecost. It it wasn't enough that God would just kind of hover over the earth. It wasn't enough that God would just simply rest on an ark in a tabernacle. God wanted to be in us. He wanted to be inside his people. The perfect gift is his presence. In fact, Jesus gathered his disciples. He said, look, I'm going to be going away. They're like, Lord, we don't want you to go away. You keep talking about dying. We don't want you to die. We love having you here. We love walking with you. You're our best friend. You're teaching us. We know that you're God. We don't want you to go. But Jesus says, unless I go, you can't have this gift unless I send it to you. Speaking of Pentecost, he says this in John 14, verse 20. In that day, in the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God comes down on mankind, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. God became one of us so that we could become one with God. This is the presence of God, just not simply hovering over the earth. This is the presence of God, not just simply walking alongside another human being. This is God in us, with us. The perfect gift of God is his presence. And what's so amazing is that even though that gift, the gift of him dying on the cross in our place for our sins, being buried and then rising from the dead, and then the gift of his spirit given at Pentecost, even though that was 2,000 years ago, this gift is contemporary. This gift is what you and I need wherever we find ourselves today. Wherever you are at, you have the privilege. God Almighty, the creator in the universe, decided to make you at this time, in this age, so that you might not just simply know that there's a creator, but you can have a relationship with him. You're here now to know him. And maybe the gift you need to receive this year is the gift of God's grace. You may need to just simply receive him as your Lord and Savior. And we talk about the gift of grace because it's a gift. It's not something that you earn. We didn't, we didn't merit God's love because, you know, maybe we're good looking or maybe we're smart or maybe we've been kind or good or we've got good family members. No, he in his love just extends his grace. He places faith into our hearts so that we might know who he is. We might understand his son and what he has done on our behalf and then fill us with his love and his grace to redeem us for himself. And maybe this year's the year you decide, I'm not just going to simply think about little baby Jesus and Christmas time. I'm going to receive this one who grew, who became a man. He is God in the flesh, virgin birth, died on that cross for me, a penalty I should have paid. And I'm going to take that and I'm going to say, thank you very much. I repent of my sin. You become my Lord, my Savior. I'm going to belong to you. That is the best gift you could ever receive. For others of you in the room, maybe the gift you need to receive is just the reminder of what the Holy Spirit came to do. Jesus said that that spirit would be a comforter. Some of you right now are grieving. 
you're lonely. This time of year is not easy. Some of us in our church family have loved ones who've passed away. And you need to be reminded that the Spirit of God is a comforter, that He is here for you, that you are not abandoned, that He sees you and knows you and loves you, and He is one who sticks closer than a friend. For others of you, maybe the gift is just finally understanding who you are. I recognize in our society, and especially for young people, you may be wrestling with who you are. You're wrestling with your identity. Why am I here? Why have I been created? Who, who am I? What label am I going to wear in my life? And Jesus Christ has come so that you would know your identity as a son of God, as a daughter of God, that he loves you as a father who longs for you to walk with him throughout your life, not to feel abandoned or orphaned, but you belong to him. The best gift is his presence. And the question becomes, what are you going to do with a gift that good? What do you do when you find out that your heavenly father loves you so much that he has given you himself? I mean, is this one of those things that you take and you, you kind of unwrap it and you're like, well, that's really cool. I, I like that. I like the fact that God is kind of around. And then you just kind of put them up on a shelf and you take them off that shelf and dust them off from time to time. Like whenever Christmas comes around or Easter, or maybe you get to church every now and then and you're kind of like, well, I, you know, maybe he's kind of like a good luck charm and I, I'm glad to know that he's around. Or is this the kind of gift that you begin to embrace completely and fully daily, knowing that you have a creator who has made you and loves you And maybe moment by moment, you live in the awareness of, no, I know that my God is with me, living in me because of my Savior, Jesus Christ. I know right now he's aware of me. Like I'm on his mind and he knows that he's on my mind. I'm not hiding any of this from him. I am in his presence right now. What do you do with a gift that good? And the great thing is, this is the kind of gift that you can re-gift. It's completely acceptable. You can take all of this love that God has poured into your heart and just turn it right back and give it to him. And you can say, God, you didn't hold anything back for me. I'm not gonna hold anything back from you. So I'm gonna take all of that love you've poured into my heart and I'm just gonna take it and throw it right back up in your direction and give you praise and give you glory for saving me, for giving me the gift of your presence, your spirit to transform me and change me. God, I'm gonna take this gift, this love that you've poured in my heart to overflowing and I'm gonna re- gift it. I'm going to give it to some folks around me. I have some family members. I've got some friends. I've got some co-workers who could use a little bit of your love. So go ahead, Father. Let's take that gift that you've given me. Let's let it spill on out on everybody around me. I wonder what you might be able to do this Christmas with the gift of God's presence. How might you afresh and new Step into the love and realization that you have a creator who loves you, who has made you, and is longing for you to be in fellowship with him. That's his desire, that we would take the perfect gift of his presence and we would fellowship with him. And I don't know if you know this, but the Greek word for fellowship is koinonia. Maybe you've heard that term before. Koinonia, it's interesting. That is the word for fellowship, and it's the word for communion. Koinonia is this idea of something shared in common. 
this closeness, this connection, a sharing, and it's a spiritual fellowship. And so Jesus knew the importance of this koinonia. And as he was getting ready to go to the cross, he knew how important it was for his disciples to understand this. And so he gathers them in Passover. If you recall, I mean, there's just so much symbolism and so many things that it's not a coincidence in God's word, like Jesus being born in Bethlehem, and that's the city of David, and he's related to David, and he is the promised one. It's no coincidence that this is Passover, and this is the time that a sacrificial lamb would be sacrificed on behalf of the nation, and he's going to die at Passover to be our sacrificial lamb, not an accident. But he wants his disciples to understand who he is and why he has come, why God has been walking among them. So he gathers them in an upper room and they're gathered around a table. And at that moment, he takes this bread. He says, guys, I don't want you to forget who I am. I don't want you to forget the sacrifice that I'm about to make for you. So Jesus took bread and he broke it. He says, this represents my body given for you. This represents why I came and why I'm giving my life as a sacrifice so that you can have life. So you got to see Jesus around that table holding the bread. This is very interesting because interestingly, Jesus was born in what? Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Do you know what Bethlehem means? House of bread. Jesus was born in the house of bread. There was this time, and I don't know if the disciples remembered at that moment as Jesus is holding that bread and now he's multiplied it in his hands. If they would go back to John chapter 6 and they would remember this moment in which they're out and people are hearing Jesus, but then there's all these people and they're hungry and what should we feed them? And Jesus says, you feed them. What do you have? Well, we've got some bread and we've got some fish. And Jesus says, okay, let's do this. He multiplies the bread and everybody gets a free meal. Jesus moves on to another, another city, another place. And all those people, they kind of follow along. They're looking for another free meal. They're looking for some bread. And Jesus looks at that multitude and he says this in John six thirty five. He says, I am the bread of life. I was born in the house of bread, but I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And so Jesus said to his disciples, when you take this bread, you remember who I am. You remember what I've done for you. And then Jesus poured out wine. He poured out the wine and he said, this wine represents my blood. And it is the only perfect blood to ever flow through human veins. Do you know why that is? The virgin birth. He wasn't born like you and I. He had an earthly mother, yes. Conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is God. He has a different blood type. He says, I pour out my blood freely for your sins so that you can have a second chance, so that you can have a new start, a new way of living, and I offer it freely. And every time you gather together around this cup, you remember my love for you and the sacrifice that I paid for you. And he gave us this moment as a reminder to remember through a symbol, his body, the bread broken for us, his blood, the wine, his sacrifice made on our behalf. And it's a way to remember the perfect gift of his presence. And every time we come around the cup, every time we come around the bread, his spiritual presence is with us. And so these become holy moments. This moment. So in a moment, you and I are gonna break bread together and take the cup. 
if you didn't receive a cup on the way in, if you just raise your hand, um, Pastor Jay's in the back. If you'd raise it high, he'll make sure that you, you get a bread and cup. There's one on this side. Um, let me just say this. This is something that we do as believers. This is an act that Christians do as a symbol. Uh, you don't need to be a member of this church to take communion, but you do need to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's a very important thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's a symbol. And so I would say if you've not yet made Jesus Christ your Lord, your Savior, if you're not following after him, don't take communion. And don't feel bad about not taking communion. Nobody's going to look at you funny. We're not here to judge you. We are here to say this is a holy moment that Christ, his spirit, his presence is here. If you're a parent in here and you have kids, we, we let moms and dads figure out whether or not your child understands what communion is and if they're ready to take it. And so in just a moment, you're going to be able to peel off that top layer, that cellophane on the top, underneath that's the bread, and then underneath that is the cup. But I want us to take some time here and remember that God's presence is here. He came for you. And these moments that we have to remember what he did for us. In just a moment, the the worship team will play over the top as we take a moment. You can pray right there in your seat and you can remember the sacrifice that God made for you. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, I love it (laughs) when we are able to gather as the body, as the church. I love the fact that we can be in this place and experience your presence. Lord, it's not based on what we feel. It's based on the truth. You're here. You exist. You have moved toward us, your creation. You love us and you've proved it by coming here, leaving your home in heaven and then going to the cross and dying in our place. The penalty that we should have paid and yet you paid it and then you were buried in a tomb but you didn't stay there. You rose from the grave. You ascended into heaven and you have sent your promised Holy Spirit and you are here. And as we break this bread and as we take this cup, we remember And we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love for you to join us at one of our weekend worship services. For service times and information about BRCC, be sure to check out brookvillroad.cc. God bless you.